welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Schell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. I spoke about the walk of faith because I believe the walk of faith is critical to having a life where there's joy. See, between where you are and where God wants you to be, there will have to be steps of faith taken. Amen? And faith is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing to walk in. I know it's been misused. I know all sorts of things have been said about it. I just have a few practical thoughts. It's really a, a, a practical area. But I want to talk about caring for yourself and, and looking at things from the physical side. All problems that we have are not spiritually based. I, I think you know we have, we have a body, a physical piece of flesh that we live in. We have a spirit, which is the eternal part of you. When you die, your spirit goes on. You are a spirit. In fact, I have a hard time saying I have a spirit. It's like I have it here in my pocket, you know, somewhere. Oh, there's my spirit. And, you know, it, how do you separate yourself from your spirit? You are spirit. See, that's you are, are spirit. You go on. When you die, you continue. At least part of you does. The, the broken part, the sinful part, the misinformed part, the, 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 the compulsive part, that stays here. That, that, goes, that rots with the body. That's the soul, the, the soulish side of things. Uh, but you go on. You are a spirit. When we, in the, in the church, and certainly in the charismatic church, when we deal with people... We often try to solve all of their problems purely spiritually. We assume everything is entirely spiritual. And so, so when someone's having depression, say, uh, one approach may be entirely to try to cast out the demon of depression. And here I spent a little time on that, so uh, talking about spiritual warfare and all, and I, and I believe what I said. But everything that goes on in people is not entirely spiritual. And we become dangerous and very condemning with people if all we do is try to approach them spiritually. I'm thinking right now of a woman who was in our church in San Diego. And she had a, a strange condition. She kept saying, she would be, she said, I would, I'm, I'm in my fog. And she would somehow internally draw back and I mean have this feeling of being very distant almost like watching herself she was in a foggy drawn back place inside and it was very strange and that was in the days where the, where the charismatic movement was was rolling and boiling and and so how I don't know how many sessions that poor woman sat through where they put her in a hot seat and commanded the demon of depression to leave her well, it, it didn't, or at least this fog didn't. And she began to be very self-condemned. This is the upshot of that kind of approach. 
uh, often people feel obliged, if you, if you pray for them to be healed or be miraculously transformed, and they're trying their best to accommodate you. And it, honestly, I mean, people are very, they're, they're trying. And then when they don't get healed, they personally feel they failed you. They are a disappointment to you. By the way, this is what we do when people come in wheelchairs and things. And, 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 and boy, the charismatic movement used to do this. Kind of, you know, some poor person would just come to church in a wheelchair. And somebody would rise up, you know, boo-hooing in tears and go up in the name of Jesus, you know, and go at, go at the poor person. Well, they probably had this a hundred times. And they're, they're trying. I say, rise up, rise up. And the poor person is, is, you know, trying. And then if they can't rise up, the implication is they're a failure. Of course, in my mind, you're a failure. <laughs> not the person in the wheelchair. Actually, I would say it this way, we're a failure. I, I think that the, the, the power of God is a resident thing in the community of God's people. And the more you and I learn to worship together, the more we walk in love with one another and, and in peace, the more we forgive, the more, the, great, the more we do the basic things of Christianity, the power of the Lord comes. And you'll find, in fact, we're already seeing it, more and more people healed in a very easy way. Not just in huge dramatic things, but it's just somebody's praying and I just went, you know, the thing went away. We have that report all the time now, which has absolutely been my experience for, for I don't know how many decades now. If the people of God will just worship the Lord and press in, wonderful things will happen. Does everybody always get healed? No. No, they don't. But what happens in this, in the, in the, in the, and I'm talking particularly of Pentecostals and Charismatics, particularly with psychological things like depression, somebody will be hurting and having this thing, and our approach has been to be something of a one-note Johnny. And that is all, the only thing we know to do is cast out the devil. As though everything is entirely demonic. And this woman... Had, had that happened. She, she was like almost the woman with the issue of blood in which she'd been to physicians for years. Well, this poor woman had been to Christians for years. And, and she had been battered and bruised and was worn out. Um, I, she came and, and, and talked to me. I would, and uh, I waited on the Lord. And she said, I don't know what to do. I can't get rid of this demon. And I said, well, let's just, let's just wait on the Lord and see what he says here. Well, I sat with the Lord and, I, I, and we just, we listened. And I didn't pick up a demon at all. I said, you know, I mean, I'd be happy to condemn you along with the rest, but I, I, I'm not, I don't think you have a demon. If he's there, I don't, I don't sense him at all. Are you, are you sure this is a demon? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. I, and I, we, they've been praying and binding this thing, and, and, and I'm not getting any better. And I, the Lord gave me a word, and I said to her, I want you to go to a doctor. You know, in some charismatic circles, that's heresy. I said, I want you to go to a doctor, and I want you to get a physical. And I want you to insist that that doctor give you a blood test. And I mean, I want you to have him really, really check your blood. I feel the Lord saying, go to a doctor, get a blood test as part of a physical. 
Well, that, you know, that's not, this isn't spiritual stuff. And uh, she had the most difficult time getting that. Because even the doctors had, were, were feeling that she was a psychosomatic problem. They were, they were feeling she's just nuts. And she had to... Boy, she was on a medical program even... Uh, and they wouldn't, they didn't want to fund this thing, they didn't want to give her a physical, they didn't want to give her a blood test. She had to, I said, and then she'd come back to me and say, they won't do it. I said, you tell them to do it. You make them give them a blood test. Finally, they did. She had a strange uh, imbalance in her blood. The doctor, when he finally did it, and I don't know who she had to finally go to to get this done. When she finally did it, he was, it was, a, I think, an unusually high level of zinc or low level of zinc, something like that. They began to test through her family. And lo and behold, it was congenital. And they could trace it back. It went through the, her, she, her, she was from separated parents and all, and the family was scattered all over. They began, this doctor took it upon himself and began to test the family when they were living at distances and everything else and they found this person here had it and this one over here had it and this one down here had it on the family tree went all the way down the family tree and everyone that had this imbalance in their zinc had strange effects in their psycholo psychological makeup so they began to, I forget how they did it, they treated her with with, with zinc I don't know if she's shown or what, no they gave her zinc Given her chrome, you know. Yeah. Uh, and those symptoms subsided. Uh, I, once in a while, we'll still get a card from her. And that was probably 20 years ago. Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> Is it late 70s? Mid 70s? Okay. Uh, I've seen this a lot of times since, but I've never seen it more clearly than in that situation. And I think that some of the, the spiritual leaders in our church were real disappointed. It isn't nearly as much fun taking zinc as it is <laughs> casting out the devil. <laughs> now, I've said to you that I think that depression has a demonic element. But I think it, it, in most of these things, it's, it's like you have a candle that's lit and there's a little flame there. And I think the demonic element is like throwing a can of gasoline on that thing. <clears throat> You've suddenly got a big flame. But I don't believe that often the root issue is demonic. Demons are like garbage flies. They come in and harass us in our wounds. They come in in our broken parts and injure us further. They flame your... They take your temper and inflame it until you do something terrible. That kind of thing. But you cannot just solve things by casting out demons. In fact, you can seldom solve things by just casting out demons. Though, you do need to deal with the, spiritual, the spirit there as part of the solution. You are body, soul, and spirit. And you cannot separate them, may I add? The health of your body affects your spiritual life. You know, some people would teach us that, that it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies, that we're just, we're like a bird in a, in, a, in a rusted cage, you know. Our spirit's trapped inside this old body of flesh. 
Don't take that very far. The Bible does not divide you into three compartments. Yes, it, it admits to different aspects of you. But you are a whole. And you are meant to be body, soul, and spirit, as it were, forever. You and I, Paul says in 2 Corinthians that he, he grieves the fact that he will be a disembodied spirit, as it were, alive with Christ, yes, but not clothed with, his, with, his, with, with a body until Christ returns. See, people who die right now, they're awake and alive with the Lord and in some kind of spiritual whatever body, whatever that is, but they are not in the final condition. Our final condition is in a resurrected body. You know that? God intended us as humans to abide in a, in a, in a, in a temple of flesh. Though we will have, a, it's going to be a spiritual body in some sense, but it's going to be just like the one Jesus was resurrected in. So we've already seen a prototype. We have. We've seen the prototype. And they could touch Jesus. And he had, still has scars. I think those were left by the mercy of God so we can see them. I'd like to see them, wouldn't you? I don't know that scars are something that will be carried on. I don't think so, but I think those wonderful scars we will be able to see. But you could touch him. He could eat. He is joined. The, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, is joined to a body, a, a, a body, a spiritual, though somehow physical body. Right now. You say, well, where is he? He's... He's in, in heaven. Where's that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think if you point up, you can name it. But there is a heaven. There's, an, there's a place. It may be just very... You know, who knows? That's not careful. I'm going to get spacey here. <laughs> what am I saying? I am saying that when you minister to people... And when you minister to people with depression and, 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 and psychological, emotional, and mental difficulty, do not assume that the whole issue is demonic. And do not assume that just casting out the devil will, will fix it. Even, I pray, or we pray, all the time at the altar for people with depression and find the thing lift. And, I, and sometimes it is clearly a spirit that's on them at the moment. But we do it scores of times. In some cases, hundreds of times. Why? Because we're bad prayers? No! Because it's like the candle. The enemy's coming in and he's, and he's attacking and, 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 and working in that area of vulnerability. But until we solve the, the, the original flame, until there's healing at another level, this thing just keeps coming back and harassing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes their solution is zinc. Sometimes their solution is forgiveness. And having a reconciliation with a broken party, that somebody that, 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 that they don't have peace until that's healed. Their solution can be a lot of things. And if all you minister is kind of Johnny One Note, you know, you carry a hammer, and everything looks like a nail to you. You know, here a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So there are actually, there is a complexity to healing. There's a complexity to ministering to people. And if you kind of read some magazine article or get on somebody's list or whatever, including art, 
And all of you, all you do is kind of this one thing, you know, everything's this. Everything's this. This is how you fix everything. You really will wound a lot of people. And they'll feel terribly disappointed that they haven't been able to be healed for you because they know they're supposed to. They'll condemn themselves very appropriately. They'll feel they're an awful failure. There's something wrong with them. And you will have really hurt people. And so what you have to do when you minister to somebody with depression, with anything else, and even if you are depressed, we need to begin to listen to the Lord. And he, 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 will, he begins to guide us. It's a process of listening. It's a, it's a posture of listening. I've shared this before. I don't know a better example. A friend of mine, he's a, 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 a wonderful evangelist and pastor. He was constantly involved in the, in the ministry of healing and, and things. And I knew him well for, for eight years. I worked with him on the steering committee in Southern California. And... Uh, his, he had a son, an adopted son, uh, who had epilepsy, a very serious epilepsy. I mean, he had, I think, hundreds of petty mal seizures a day, that kind of thing, you know, the, the little ones, and had had regular grand mal's, had bitten off his tongue th- three times, I think, you know, in, in having these. Uh, it was, it, it, it was, he was... Um, by the time we come to where I'm talking about, he was about 12 years of age. Sam was his name. And my friend took him to, had prayed for him, you know, and gone through all of this, cast it all out, done all of that, and taken him to every famous evangel, you know, healing evangelist you can name because he knew him. So he went to the best. He went to the big names. And everybody had had their, their shot. At Sam. And I'm not saying that it actually didn't have an accumulative effect, a positive effect, but I will tell you this nothing healed Sam, he just got worse. Finally, one day he had a couple in the church where he attended, came to him, and it was actually Sam's uh, Sunday school teacher, a husband and wife that taught that class. And uh, they came and said to uh, my friends, they said, would you mind if we spent some time with Sam? Uh, we'd like to come by on, on uh, Saturdays and, and just spend a few hours with him and, and, and just be, be with him. We're, we want you to know we're praying for Sam. And they were. They'd made a regular project out of this. They began to pray and just regularly wait on God for Sam. Well, they'd pick him up on Saturday morning and they'd take him to the zoo or they'd go out for, for a some to eat, you know, or they'd go places together. They just spent time with Sam. Sam was beginning to get very angry. You know, it's a very hard thing to have epilepsy. You begin, you have that you're embarrassed. You are, uh, you're angry at your own body. Why does it keep doing this to me? It really tears a person apart inside. And uh, Sam began to be in a mental decline. In the, not, I mean, uh, maybe I should say an emotional decline. His his attitude, he began to be very angry. And for a good reason. The poor boy was being tormented uh, day and night. By the way, epilepsy is not a disease in the sense of, uh, it's not a bacteria, it's not a virus, it's not something you can heal like that. It's actually, a, it's, it's almost the way the brain is made or something. Something's going wrong in the basic structure of the brain. So epilepsy doesn't get better with time. Generally, it gets worse with time.
And to be that epileptic that early in life left little or no hope for anything but him being a cripple until he would die. And um, they begin to just pray and just say, God, what, what, what's for Sam? And the Lord would bring to their minds particular things that seemed very odd. One of the things they've got, and they came to my friend and his wife and said, we think the Lord is, is suggesting that Sam drink more water. That's not very spiritual, is it? I mean, that's not like casting out the devil. We think the, that Sam ought to drink more water. Okay, now here, here is, here's the difference. Here is an, here is a, 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 an obedient man who, is, who understands the Lord's guidance. So, all right, they begin to have, and his wife, both of them, they, they begin to give him more water. A uh, little while later, um, weeks, maybe some months later, we think Sam should eat more fish. Fish. <laughs> now there's been actually research and stuff done on fish, but then there wasn't. Nobody, I mean, no fish. Okay, so they ate more fish. What are we ministering to here? The body. Then, the Lord gave a word of knowledge. And this process here uh, that I'm talking about is about six months long. The Lord gave a word of knowledge. These others were word of knowledges also, in my opinion. And said... We believe, now Sam was adopted. I need to step back and tell you this. He was adopted. He was found as a, as a, as a tiny baby on a garbage can lid. Uh, he'd been abandoned. And uh, they said, we believe the Lord is saying that Sam's mother had attempted to abort him in the process of his development. And that we are to pray for the healing of his soul. Now, is this spacey or what? Huh? I mean, this is pretty strange. But they did. Now, what are we ministering to? We've ministered to the body. Now we're ministering to the soul. They began to lay hands on the boy and pray for the healing of that little baby and whatever went on in traumatizing Sam in his mother's womb. Now, call it crazy, say whatever you want to say. But that boy was absolutely, completely healed. He stopped at about the, this, this process took about six months. But particularly when they got to the inner healing thing of that, of that child, you know, along with the fish in the water. That boy was completely healed. He caught up his schoolwork. He was now three years behind his classmates because of this epilepsy. He caught up his schoolwork in one year. I saw his father a uh, number of years ago now, but it was many years after this had taken place. I saw him and I said, how's Sam? And he said, well, at that point Sam was married. Sam had graduated from, from college and was working uh, in some skilled profession, I said, okay now Bob, be honest with me. Any sign of it? You know, I thought, Mr. Unbelief. <laughs> he said, occasionally he'll blink and his mother and I look. <laughs> he says, 
when, we, when he gets an EEG and an electrocephalogram and all of that, he says it's absolutely clean. No, he, he says it's completely gone. Now, you couldn't heal epilepsy like that for anything by any other, um, that's an absolute miracle. It's one of the most incredible miracles that you can imagine. Did you notice how the Lord did it? There's a number of elements here that are very important that you notice. One is he ministered through the word of knowledge, through people who were patient, who weren't demanding, who didn't give one shot at an altar. How often do we say, we pray for somebody, you any better? Well, I guess you're a hard case. <laughs> and I guess God wants you sick. It's often our conclusion, isn't it? And that's a defense mechanism so that we aren't a failure. Pastors do that. Can't lay hands on empty heads. <laughs> You're not healed, it's not my fault. I want you to know that it's your fault. I'm so spiritual that of course it's your fault. Um, so first of all, would you notice they took time? They didn't put a time zone on it. They didn't say, God, you got, you got, you got one try here. They simply waited on the Lord. Would you notice, secondly, that God used particular people who he actually called out to do it? My, my, my friend says that he is convinced that much of the things God wants to do through the church are prevented by the fact that we will only allow certain people to minister and we, we disqualify ourselves. We, and wasn't, wasn't it natural for this couple, who he says are just garden variety Presbyterians, he says, wasn't it natural for this couple to say, well, if this great healing evangelist and this great healing evangelist and this important person had prayed for Sam and he wasn't healed, who am I to think I could be used to heal Sam? Wouldn't that be a natural response? Wouldn't you have that? Wouldn't I have that? Well, I mean, if so-and-so can do it, I'm not sure going to try. They did not take that response, but instead they simply said, we think the Lord's asking us to do this. It's a very humble thing. They weren't promising anything. They were just saying, we'd like to spend time with him, and we're going to pray and wait on God for him. So they gave time. They did not disqualify themselves. God selected particular people who had a, a relationship with him. My friend says it's, he thinks that an awful lot of healing is like the uh, lock in a door, and it takes a particular key to turn that lock. And we only use one or two keys on every lock we find. And you and I may be the answer for someone where everything else has failed. And all the other big shots have failed. But it's you he's going to use. That's exactly what happened in this case. All right. They they, as they waited on the Lord, the Lord ministered to the body. He had him do things that were, were, were physical. Uh, Drink water and eat fish. Is there any example for that kind of thing in the Bible? Yes, there is. You know, Isaiah had uh, Hezekiah put a, put a fig poultice on his boil and then healed. The God healed him, that kind of thing. There uh, is more than that. He ministered to his soul. They prayed for, the, for that, that boy's heart and for what had traumatized him in his mother's womb. Is there any time, you know, not only is there no distance in prayer, there is really no time in prayer. And the Lord can just go back and begin to minister in that. And they did for this child. Uh, had there been and was there undoubtedly a binding of the enemy? Sure there was. These are, these are people that believe all that. 
But the solution, the healing, was not just spiritual. I believe in the Spirit. I believe in the power of the Spirit. But the longer I walk with this Lord of ours, I realize that the healing of people is a complex thing very often. So if there's depression, you cannot just come at it and assume they got a demon. And I would suggest to you to be listening, but I would also suggest this. As I dealt with depression for years, the Lord began to talk to me about caring for my body. Because I find that, I, that people who, have, who tend toward depression, I actually think it's, it's a, it is one reaction to stress. Some people, when they get under stress, will get ulcers. Some people will get psoriasis. Some people will get uh, migraine headaches. Some people will get, you know, all sorts of things. It's like, it's like you have a fuse box. You know what fuses are in your electrical system? When there's, a, when there's a power override on the system, the fuse is intended to blow first so that it doesn't burn down the house. Well, you have fuses. You have things that go out first. When you're under stress, when you're under pressure, when there's, when there's a bitter break in the relationship, when there's whatever it is, you have things that break first. Now the problem is we don't often stop and begin to address the problem when the first fuse goes. <laughs> and so we begin to, not only does the first problem start, but we ignore it or we chemically mask it by using how many, I'm not asking for a show of hands, how many of you, you begin to get, you begin to get uh, headaches a lot and you begin to get real tired, so what do you do? Do you, do you take that as a sign that you need to care for your body? No. You drink coffee, which is nothing more than black drugs. You're, you're, you, you, you know that. You're pumping yourself with caffeine. It's a very potent nerve stimulant to keep yourself going. You are masking the symptom. You are hiding the symptoms so that you can push on hard. Uh, then when you get a headache again, what do you do? You take Tylenol or Excedrin or some kind of aspirin to mask what you're feeling there. And so every time your body says, ah, you're just shoving it under, saying, shut up. And, and, <laughs> and you're driving on, aren't you? We had a man at the altar just this past week who isn't here, so I'll use his example. <laughs> and he's having angina, heart pain. And I, we, we prayed for him, and there was, there was plenty of power. And I prayed not only for the Lord to touch his heart, but also to reveal to him anything he needed to know or do in the process of this healing. I have found that our healing has a huge amount to do, usually. Sometimes you'll get zapped, you're all done, it's just like that at the altar. Wonderful. But very often, you will have to participate through an obedient act in, your, in, in what you're doing. And even as we talked, after I even prayed that, the word of knowledge began to come forth, and we began to talk about diet and things like that. And he said, well, no, I'm not very good at my diet. And one of the people praying with me suggested a, a, a cookbook that had a very good low-fat food. I got a copy myself. Uh, all of that. Well, I saw him later that week, I think. Just a few days later, at another meeting. And he said, he said, Pastor, my, my, my heart pain's completely gone. 
Praise the Lord. But he said, today, he said, the Lord began to talk to me about all the coffee I drink. I said, you drink a lot of coffee? He says, constantly. And, um, and I said, then he said, and I was just pouring pills into my hand of, of, of aspirin or whatever because to cover my headache. I run on these things, he said, you know. And the Lord said, let's stop that. Now, do you notice that the Lord's healing for him, the Lord's addressing that, is, yes, we prayed, we laid hands, the anointing of the Lord came, and, and the Lord touched his heart. But you see, if this man continues to flaunt his body, this man continues to abuse his body, he's going to still have problems. You cannot, there is no healing. If you're looking for a healing where God will heal you so that you can continue your, to disregard your health, You, you, it won't work. You can't play that game with God. And I can tell awful, awful stories of this. So the Lord will bring His healing comfort to you, but part of what He will also do is speak to you about caring for your body. Depression has a physical base to it. And it is one of the fuses that blows. Some people get migraines, some people get depressed. And so as a depressed person and then living with one or ministering to one, you are going to have to begin to open your ear to the Holy Spirit and let him talk to you about the way you're caring for yourself. And let me mention some of the things that God talked to me about in caring for myself. One of the things he showed me that made a difference for me was the taking of vitamin B. Uh, vitamin B is a water-soluble vitamin and it's used when your body's under stress. And I, I got some of these awful concoctions. I had one thing called Dr. Don's Box Yeast 500. <laughs> Most appalling thing I'd ever had in my mouth. Um, and it was a nutritive yeast full of everything else you could imagine. You know, I would, but I would take that stuff and it would give me, I would feel strength. And it would take it would make a, a big difference. Um, I would he 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 dealt with me about the lack of sleep. Many of us, if we would add one hour to our regular sleep pattern, would find our spiritual problems change. Really, if you're sitting there and going with with sleep deprivation, you're you're having poor nutrition. And then you want, to, you, want, you want somebody to lay hands on you and heal you so that you don't have to get the proper sleep or, or eat properly or anything else. You're not going to get that. We'd have to turn you into Superman uh, to, to have that kind of thing. So the Lord will be there for your healing, but he'll also, with it, almost always counsel you about your behavior, about how you're caring for yourself. Uh, lack of regular exercise. When you're under stress... Your body produces adrenaline. It actually produces a couple of kinds of it. And some of you are living in situations, in fact, I think all of us, I think life brings stress to us. I don't care how orderly I think I can get my, my, my world, stress will invade it, crisis will invade it. Even if I'm doing everything right, somebody else won't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll, somebody will hurt you, they'll, they'll attacks at work, 
through family members, there can be physical crises, there can be situations. Stress will come to you. And you have got to learn to manage it because if you're a depressive, your fuse is, is blowing when you're hit, and you're getting the depression reaction when that stress comes. So there are ways that you need to care for yourself and one of them is regular exercise. You can burn up that adrenaline through exercise. I, remember, I don't know how many times I'd, I'd get in the car and I'm going to go and I'm going to exercise. For me, by the way, I cannot exercise alone. I think the idea of putting in a tape and doing something in front of the television or, or sitting there on this machine <laughs> by myself, you know, is, is depressing. <laughs> I, I, I actually mean that. It's depressing. It's the most lonely, ugly option, you know. So what I have to do is I have to schedule an appointment with somebody to exercise. Because particularly like around here, at 7 o'clock at night, it's cold, it's dark. I don't, you know, I'm not going out there. But if I have an appointment with somebody, okay, I'll, do, I'll show up for them, you know. And <laughs> so I do, I schedule, I schedule exercise with somebody else. So I have to show up. I don't know how many times I'll get in the car and I am so worried and so upset and I'm just, oh, everything's just snap crackling and popping all over the place. And then I'll go and I'll, uh, I'll play racquetball or whatever and I'll just work, I run my guts out. And on the way home, I get back in the car and I really do, I stop and think, now, I was worrying about something when I got here. What was it? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm ready to worry again and I can't think of it. Because you actually burn up a lot of that adrenaline that's, that's, that's toxic in your system. And I, I honestly, on the way home, I'll sit there and I think, what was it? I was, I had, it was so important. What was and I'm just driving home and I cannot remember what I was worried about. So I'll stop here. But let me just say that your care of yourself is, is yes, spiritual. We'll pray as many times as you need it. And the Lord can give you relief. But if you don't learn to care at the other levels as well, there will be a physical level in which the Lord speaks to you about yourself. And you'll have to obey. Part of choosing life is obedience. Obedience to the things the Lord says. And if you fail, it's okay. You'll fail a minute. Pick yourself up and, and just stay at it. Find somebody to stand with you in this. Schedule some exercise. Get some, get, watch your nutrition. Try some vitamins and, and that kind of thing. This is not unspiritual to talk about this. Care for yourself in that sense. And then the Lord will probably also, and I'll we'll deal with more of that more at another time. He'll also deal with a soul, with forgiveness and with, with issues with people and with just as he healed Sam by that kind of thing. He'll heal your soul as well. So the healing of you, the, the, the setting you free, will be attended to your spirit, your soul, and your body. All of those areas will be addressed by the Lord. His healing is a real one. It's not some superficial thing. It's not some little, little, little shallow thing. He will actually come and transform you and give you a new life. If you've got depression, don't you be discouraged. I promise you the Lord can heal you and walk you out of it. He can do miracles and will. No respecter of persons, remember? 
God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he's willing to do for you. In fact, he's pleased to do for you. It'll be different for you because you're different. But he will come to you with his grace. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.